Hillary Clinton says she will not endorse any of the Democrat candidates for president because she doesn't want to interfere when at any moment there could be a popular uprising and she might be called to rush in and save the day at the last minute and be elevated to the presidency where all her dreams would come true and she would finally experience joy instead of this gnawing sense of bitterness and waste. Mrs. Clinton made her remarks at the Berlin Film Festival, where they were screening her new 720-hour autobiographical film entitled, You Think Your Life is Crap. For the occasion, the film has been redubbed in German and now features Mrs. Clinton's calls for the German people to arise and fulfill their destiny by elevating her to power regardless of the law, as they have done with leaders in their glorious past. Mrs. Clinton said, quote, I don't want to jump the gun and endorse some other candidate before the people have a chance to realize what a mistake they made last time. You never know when I could be walking down the street or collapsed on the floor of a hotel room or lying under the table in a bar and suddenly find myself surrounded by a tremendous surge of humanity, crying my name and demanding that I be made president by general acclamation. Then I would be carried on their shoulders to Pennsylvania Avenue and installed by force in the Oval Office where my benevolent reign would finally begin and last until I woke up alone and started sobbing again as usual, unquote. The Hillary documentary has already been shown at Cannes, where it created long lines because the exits were too small for everyone to leave at once. In Berlin, the film evoked puzzled reactions as many local viewers could not understand why Americans failed to elect a dowdy, grim-faced woman who would destroy the country with her lousy policies when that's worked so well for Germany. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-dee. Ship-shaped, tipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. Well, as a general rule, I'm not in favor of spreading blame around. If you commit a crime, I think you're the one who is responsible. But in the case of Harvey Weinstein, I'm ready to make a little bit of an exception. Harvey is to blame for his sexual predations, no question about it, and no one else is to blame. He did it. It's on him. But if he was not operating within a system that protected and even uplifted him and his values, I don't know who was. NBC News, owned by Comcast Universal, killed the Harvey story while they were busy protecting their own predator, Matt Lauer. The same New York prosecutor who brought the case this time killed another case against Harvey, possibly under political pressure. Hillary and Obama both had to know what was going on when they took his money, just like Hillary and George Stephanopoulos had to know about Jeffrey Epstein when ABC killed that story and prosecutors stepped on that case. Harvey is going to take the fall for this and boy, oh boy, does he deserve it. But this is a whole system that's in place for the powerful when they prey on the weak and all the powerful know it's there. In West Hollywood, near where I live, there's a giant mall. And at the center of the mall, there's a monument to the casting couch. There's a statue, I'm not kidding. There's a statue of a casting couch, which is the couch where producers give women jobs in movies in exchange for sex. Like the Iwo Jima statue memorializes the Marines and the Washington Monument memorializes the first president, the casting couch statue memorializes the Hollywood system of transactional sex. The movies are a business filled with damaged women who are desperate to be seen and loved and horrible little men who want to make themselves feel big by taking advantage of them. For the most part, that's not legal. Everybody's an adult. Everybody's willing. It's just disgusting and sad. 
But as we say a fond farewell to Harvey and he's carted off to prison where he belongs, I just want to note that a lot of people, people who control America's news and information and entertainment media, were complicit with him in one way or another. And when those same people praise little boys being dressed up as girls, and when they demand you participate in gender dysphoria by using one pronoun instead of another, and when they relentlessly attack marriage and family and traditional relationships as oppressive and demeaning, they're all Harvey. Every damn one of them. All right, we're going to talk about that more about Harvey and what he means for the culture and, of course, our crazy friends Bernie and Joe and those ridiculous Democrats and what they mean for the culture. But first, let's talk about ExpressVPN. I use this on my computer. It is in action right now as we speak. It protects your information when you're surfing the web because your information is all exposed out there and people want it and they will take it and they will come after it. But with just a few seconds, you can put ExpressVPN on your computer, it works in the background, and ExpressVPN puts a stop to people selling information for ad companies and tech giants who use your data to target you. It creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. ExpressVPN works on everything, phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. And the best part is, using ExpressVPN is very, very easy. If you're like me and you believe your online activity is your business and worth protecting, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash Clavin today. Use my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Clavin, and you can get an extra three months free at expressvpn.com slash Clavin. No one should know how to spell Clavin. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no just going to say that. There are no E's in Cleveland. I just make it look easy. Tomorrow is the mailbag. So you are one day away. That's it. That's it. You are one day away from sounding like that crazy person who has had all her problems solved. You can, If you subscribe to DailyWire.com, you can write in and ask me any question you want about anything you want. Your personal life, religion, politics. All my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Will it change your life for the better? You have to tune in to find out what we'll find out. You know, I hammer away at these sex stories because I think it's obvious we are in the middle of a sexual mania. We are in the middle of some kind of sexual nuttiness that is keyed into legitimate change. There's a legitimate change in attitudes and a legitimate change in what's happening. But the left, the culture has taken it to an extreme and has gone insane instead of studying what is going on. So let's we're going to take a, a closer look at the Harvey Weinstein case. What happened? Here is the prosecutor in New York, uh, Cyrus Vance Jr., announcing his victory in the case. This is cut one. Eight women who have changed the course of history in the fight against sexual violence. These are eight women who pulled our justice system into the 21st century by declaring that rape is rape and sexual assault is sexual assault no matter what. Rape is rape, whether it's committed by a stranger in a dark alley or by an intimate partner in a working relationship. It's rape, whether it's committed by an indigent person or a man of immense power, prestige, and privilege. Rape is rape whether the survivor reports within an hour, within a year, or perhaps never. 
So I wanted to play that because there he is kind of virtue signaling. But this is the same guy five years ago in 2015, uh, a model named Ambra Gitterez, an Italian model, uh, went to a, re- a reception at Radio City Music Hall. Uh, Harvey in- reportedly took her back to his Tribeca office. Allegedly, he began to ask her about her breasts and tried to force himself on her, trying to slip his hand up her skirt. She immediately reported the incident to the NYPD, who got her to wear a wire, and they recorded this. She went back, and Harvey referred to the incident. Here it is. Yesterday, you touched my breast. Oh, please, I'm sorry. Just come on. I'm used to that. Come on. Are you used please. to that? Yes, come in. Because no, but I'm not used to that. I won't do it again. Come on. Now, the cops thought they had this case solid, but the same guy, Cyrus Vance Jr., dumped the case. And, you know, the point I want to make is that a lot of the people who are parading this and they're talking about Me Too and they're saying, oh, this is a wonderful thing. This is a breakthrough. And now women, finally, let's believe all women and all this stuff. A lot of these people are complicit in what this what this this guy did and who this guy was. I mean, all of these people, Hillary Obama, they took a lot of money from him. All the Democrats took a lot of money from him. Michelle was talking about him. This is Michelle talking about him. I want to start by thanking Harvey Weinstein for organizing this amazing day. This is possible because of Harvey. Uh, He is a wonderful human being, a good friend, and uh, just a powerhouse. And the fact that he and his team took the time to make this happen for all of you should say something not about me or about this place, but about you. All right. Everybody, we are here because of you. Yeah, it tells us a lot about it. You know, Malia Obama, her daughter at 19, was doing an internship in 2017 with Harvey Weinstein. Everybody knew. And it's not just the fact that everybody knows. It's more than that. It is the fact that this entire mania that's going through our system, that's going through our culture and going through our civilization comes from the same people who supported Harvey, who took money from Harvey, and who protected Harvey all this time. So all the people who are lecturing you, all the people who are standing up at the Oscars and telling you you're a science denier, all the people who are telling you you're bad because you voted for Donald Trump, all of them, every one of them, is also selling you the culture that created Harvey and made Harvey what it is. We're going to take a look at that in just a second. Let's talk. Let's talk about what the case was. Harvey, what the case was. It was a really interesting legal case, okay, because he was charged with doing something to two different women, and their testimony was problematical. Right? There were these two women who said that he forced them, himself on them in various different ways, but both of them had continued to have relationships with him. So they they said that he did these things and very uh, terrible things that he did to them. But then they also said that, you know, they continue to have relationships. Um, and there were other, and prosecutors hate these cases. Prosecutors hate the cases because the jury looks at them and says, well, wait, you know, if he raped you, why were you still writing him love notes? Why were you still going out with him? Why did you have consensual sex with him later on? There was also this other element of the case where they have a new law where you can charge a guy with being a predator by bringing up a, an old case, right, that is past the statute of limitations. So this was the famous uh, actress, Annabella Scura. I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. But she claimed that she was uh, that she was forcibly raped by Harvey Weinstein 27 years ago. Now, this is dangerous stuff, right? Because just because you did something 27 years ago doesn't mean you did something now, and it can prejudice the jury against you. But what the jury... but 
what the law says is if you can prove that you did something bad within the statute of limitations, if you can prove that, then you can use the case that's too far back in time to prove a pattern of predatory behavior. That is the thing. And that carries a life sentence. And the jury said, no, we don't, you know, it's just, I don't know what they thought. They just thought this has not been proved. There were other people who told other stories that conflicted with Annabelle's story. Uh, There were, maybe it was just the time difference. I don't know what it was, but the jury said, no, we don't uh, convict you of that. They convicted him on two counts that could add up to, I think it's 20 to 25 years uh, in prison. So he's 67. Uh, he's going away. And there's another case that's coming up uh, in L.A. that's the same kind of case. So this is something that, uh, that in terms of the justice being done to this guy, justice has been done to this guy. But I was talking about this during the trial. As a juror, I would have been disturbed by the fact that these women say this guy did this terrible thing. And remember, he's a powerful guy who had the power. One of the arguments he would make to women is he could help their career. He destroyed people who refused him. He called around and said, don't work with this woman. Uh, she, you know, she's, a, she's trouble. She creates a lot of trouble. And, the, and people didn't know. They didn't know he was lying. They just thought, oh, she's a problem actress. What do I need to bring that into my gazillion dollar production? I'm not going to do it. And women lost jobs because of him. He had a lot of power. So you're on the jury, right? And they come in and this woman says, well, he forced himself on me, but I was still writing him little love notes saying, Harvey, you're so good to me and I love you. And the jury is thinking, well, gee, maybe this was something she did on this casting couch, which we memorialize in West Hollywood. Maybe this is something she did willingly. So when I first heard this, I was thinking this and I was thinking, well, why would a woman continue to have uh, a relationship with a guy who is abused her like that. And we know it happens, but why? Why does it happen? And one of the things I found out thinking about this and looking things up was that women, here's a strange thing, women who are abused as children, women who are abused as children are something like, the the, the numbers differ because it's hard research to do, but they're many, many times more likely to be raped. Women who are abused as children are many more to- times likely to be uh, set upon and sexually abused as adults. And I thought, well, why should that be true? Just because you were abused as a child, why does that mean that you're going to walk down a dark alley and get attacked? But of course, most women who get attacked aren't walking down a dark alley by a very, very large margin. 80 to 90 percent of women who are attacked are attacked by people they know. So obviously, if you were abused as a child, it throws off your system of relationship. It throws off the way you relate to people. It makes you somebody who is more likely to repeat the trauma of your past. What's one of the things that trauma does to you? It causes you to repeat bad behaviors. So if you were abused as a child, you are more likely to be abused as an adult. So (laughs) actresses are famously crazy. Not all of them, but as a generalization, everybody knows that if you're dating an actress, you're dating a crazy woman. Women who want to go on screen and take their clothes off, women who want to go on screen and parade themselves, a lot of times these are people who are damaged. You know, a lot of people are uh, attacking uh, Charlize Theron, the actress. She adopted a little boy from Africa, and now she's dressing him up as a little girl. And a lot of people are saying that's a horrible thing to do. Well, yes, it is a horrible thing to do. But let's not forget that Charlize Theron was abused as a child by her drunken father and witnessed her mother shoot her father dead. These are not all people. These are talented people, but these are not all people who are well put together. So, all right. So the 
the, use, the abuse of children leads to the abuse of adults, feeds into the abuses of adults, and creates the kind of people that Harvey Weinstein can prey on. It pre- creates the people, the, the abuse of people as children, creates the kind of people who predators prey on. I want to show you something from Good Morning America, which is on ABC. This is the network, of course, that dumped the Jeffrey Epstein, spiked the Jeffrey Epstein story, has punished nobody for having done that, that has led their chief newsman is George Stephanopoulos, whose job, whose job used to be suppressing accusations of abuse against Bill Clinton. That used to be his job. Now he works for ABC, which suppressed a story about Jeffrey Epstein, Clinton's friend, during Hillary Clinton's campaign, and suppressed that story. Here's a story from Good Morning America on ABC about a little boy uh, who's kind of famous for dressing up as a girl. If you haven't heard the name Desmond Napolis, get ready for this trailblazing 11-year-old drag kid who RuPaul is calling the future. His bravery is inspiring so many. We're going to talk to him in just a moment, but first, let's take a look at his amazing story. I am Desmond. I'm 11 years old, and I like pizza, trains, and drinking root beers, and it's caffeine-free. I also do drag, and I love to put on makeup, dresses, and wigs, and of course, jewelry is necessary. My full drag name is Desmond It's Amazing. I feel very happy to have a mom that accepts me. It really touches me deeply that there are other children out there that he's reaching and they're listening to him and he's influencing them to be themselves. I'm very proud of him. I'm proud that he's found his path so early. My greatest joy in this is just seeing Desmond happy. So this has nothing to do with being hard on transvestites, transsexuals, with no ill will against them in the world. It's an 11-year-old kid. Now, first, just picture for a moment that that's an 11-year-old girl. He goes up on stage, and he parades around in drag, and men uh, cheer for him, and he kind of, uh, you know, not to use an old-fashioned word, but he sashays around. He swings his hips around. It's all very, very sexualized. So imagine for a minute that that's an 11-year-old girl being told to do that, sashay around, stand on stage while men cheer and put, you know, and, uh, and say things to him, you would recognize that right away as child abuse, right? It's not child, it's not child abuse because, you know, I don't, I don't know an 11-year-old kid, he may have some sense of who he is, he may grow up and think that this is who he should be, but we don't know very much about transgenderism. We don't know very much about uh, transvestism. We don't know what causes these things. We don't know where they come from. We don't know whether there's a genetic component. Or we don't know whether it's all behavioral. We don't know anything about this. Surely we could at least accept the possibility, the possibility that this kid is not going to want to be that way when he grows up. That's abuse. Putting him on stage, putting him on TV is abuse. And that's ABC participating in the abuse, and remember again, I want to go back to this point, the abuse of children creates people who are prey for predators like Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> it's happening right in front of our eyes, and it's not political, you know, it's not, this is not, I'm not making a political point, I'm not saying it's because they're leftists, I'm saying they're part of a philosophy of which leftism is a part that is abusive to children and is spreading that abuse in plain sight on television. All these people are connected in the same way. I'm going to get back to this and talk more about it in a political sense. But first, let us talk about rockauto.com. And the reason we have to talk about rockauto.com is because I just love saying rockauto.com. You too could love saying rockauto.com if 
your car needs a part. Instead of getting into your car, which doesn't work anyway, and having your friends push it downhill to get to the auto parts store where somebody who doesn't know anything more about cars than you do is going to look on their computer and find out what part you need, you can do it this this yourself at home while saying rockauto.com. What could be more fun than that? Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. And rockauto.com has everything from engine control models and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet for any kind of car you want fixed. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Clavin in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. But I know what you're saying. You're saying, okay, rockauto.com. That's fun to say. But how do you spell Clavin? All right. Let's talk about politics and the way this affects politics. Here's Pete Buttigieg welcoming a gay nine-year-old on the stage. Pete Buttigieg, obviously a gay candidate for president. The next question comes from Zachary, age nine. And this is a really touching question. He says, thank you for being so brave. Would you help me tell the world I'm gay too? I want to be brave like you. of advice from me on bravery. You seem pretty strong. It took me a long time to figure out how to tell even my best friend that I was gay, let alone to go out there and tell the world. And to see you willing to come to terms with who you are in a room full of a thousand people, thousands of people you've never met, that's, that's really something. So again, this kid is nine years old. And again, you know, the show has never been anything but friendly to gay people. Some people are gay. That's just the way it is. It's none of my business. It's none of your business. I want the only for them to be happy. S- some nine-year-olds may be right about being gay. A nine-year-old may say, I'm gay, and be right. But surely, surely, even P- Pete Buttigieg can accept the idea that a nine-year-old is not the most trustworthy witness to his own sexuality, not yet. Surely the possibility exists. Let's just say it's a 50-50 possibility. It may be much more than that. The possibility exists that this kid is going to change his mind. This kid is going to change his mind. Does it not occur to Pete Buttigieg? Does it not occur? Does he not have the moral bottom to say to himself, you know, this might look good for my audience. My audience might cheer at this. But this is not the right thing to do to a nine-year-old child, to put him up in front of thousands of people. Even if it turns out he is gay, he may have problems with that later on. He may think, gee, I wish I didn't stand up in front of a thousand people and say so before I had come to terms with it himself. But what if he's not? What if he's not gay? What if he turns out and says, no, it was just a phase I went through? That happens, too. That does happen, too. See, we don't know that much about this stuff yet. We really don't. And people who, you know, on both sides, on the right and the left, who pound their fists into their palms and say, oh, it's a choice. No, it's not a choice. Oh, it's this. It's always that. They don't know. They don't know. That isn't that a reason, just logically, with moral logic, isn't that a reason 
to pull back when you're dealing with children, to not treat children as your props, your political props, and, and sell them, use them to sell yourself, use their sexuality to sell yourself. I'm not going to tell you that a nine-year-old has no sexuality. I'm not going to use that kind of uh, language, but I am going to tell you that a nine-year-old, I mean, a nine-year-old just doesn't no, he's just not sure. You don't use them for your political purposes. So, you know, now everything is going after, everybody's going after Bernie Sanders. There's going to be a debate uh, tonight. I think the new debate is tonight. Everybody's going to go after Bernie Sanders because now he's the front runner. There's nobody left to go after. It's going to be Bernie. He's on the chopping block. So everything is coming out. And of course, the press, which would, would rather have a more electable candidate in their mind, uh, is is digging up all this stuff about Bernie Sanders. So the Bloomberg campaign has an advisor, a chief uh, advisor named Tim O'Brien, and he goes on CNN and he comes up with this. Bernie has all of this loopy stuff in his background, saying things like, you know, uh, women get cancer from having too many orgasms or toddlers should run around naked and touch each other's genitals to Sorry, insulate what? themselves from porn. Why has what? this stuff not been more surfaced? He's written about women's rape fantasies. That hasn't been surfaced. That's the loony side of Bernie. He's he's referring uh, the first crazy part Bernie. to crazy he's Bernie crazy to, to Mother Jones, an interview, uh, an essay he wrote in Mother Jones, where he says, now, if children go around naked, they are liable to see each other's sexual organs and maybe even touch them. Terrible thing, exclamation point. If we raise children up like this, it will probably ruin the whole pornography business, not to mention the large segment of the general economy, which makes its money by playing on people's sexual frustrations. And here is Jake Tapper reporting on this further cut 15. There was this uh, essay he wrote uh, when he was 30 years old in 1971. It's an old essay, but he writes, a man goes home and, and masturbates his typical fantasy, a woman on her knees, a woman tied up, a woman abused. A woman enjoys intercourse with her man as she fantasizes about being raped by three men simultaneously. It goes on to talk about gender roles. It is very strange, and obviously there is a lot to object to in this. What's, what is objectionable about it is not, not talking about people. People have all kinds of fantasies. I believe that some kind of force uh, is the second most popular fantasy next to uh, having sex with a stranger. The book Fifty Shades of Grey, it wasn't men who made this book about a woman getting whipped. It wasn't them who made it the biggest selling novel of all time. People have all kinds of fantasies. The fact that we have a monkey brain, you know, we have a monkey brain and a God brain, and they're both the same brain, and all kinds of things go on, and it's, it's all kind of a, a little bit messy and wild in there. Here's what's disturbing about it. The idea that because people have these fantasies, they should live them out, or the idea that because people have these fantasies, you should, that, that defines who they are. The fact is, all that tells you is that people are vulnerable. People are vulnerable and have all kinds of crazy things going on in our heads, and we need to be a little bit Bill and Ted about it when it comes to sexuality. We need to be excellent with each other. We need to not bring nine-year-olds up on stage to help our political careers. We need to not say, oh, well, you have this fantasy, let me help you out by hitting <laughs> hitting you with a stick, you know? I mean, that's the kind of thing that this is This is leftism, which is based on Marxism, which basically Marxism puts forward the idea that if you like the society you are living in, if you like the capitalist society, if you're happy you have a job, if you're happy you have a family, you're a victim of false consciousness. That consciousness needs to be disassembled, right? This is, this is theories that were invented in the 19th century that connect back to Nietzsche, uh, the idea that because there's no God, there's no absolute morality, you need to dissect 
You need to find the genealogy of morals. You need to dissect who you are. And this idea that, therefore, that any restriction, that society, all societies put restrictions on you, that any restriction that society puts on you is bad. If it tells you, oh, you know, you're a woman, that's bad because that's a false, that can cre be creating a false consciousness. What if you think you're a man? What right do you have to tell somebody who's a woman that, he's, that she's a woman instead of the man that she wants to be. So this is connected. This kind of idea is connected to the leftism, and it's certainly connected to Bernie's love of Marx. Now, Bernie was on with, uh, of Karl Marx, not Groucho. Bernie was on with Chris Cuomo, and remember we showed him yesterday praising Cuba uh, and how the uh, people could read in Cuba, even though it was authoritarian. Chris Cuomo questioned him about it, and here it is. This is cut seven. So when Fidel Castro first came to power, which was when, 59? Does that sound right? 59, 60. Okay. You know what he did? He initiated a major literacy program. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of folks in Cuba at that point who were literate. And he formed the Literacy Brigade. You may read that. He went out and they helped people learn to read and write. You know what? I think te teaching people to read and write is a good thing. I have been extremely consistent and critical of all authoritarian regimes all over the world, including Cuba, including Nicaragua, including Saudi Arabia, including China, including Russia. I happen to believe in democracy, not authoritarianism. But, you know, you can't say China is another example. All right. China is an authoritarian country becoming more and more authoritarian. But can anyone deny? I mean, the facts are clear that they have taken more people out of extreme poverty than any country in history. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? See, not only is he crazy, he's wrong. Before the revolution, some 80% of Cuba could read. That put the island's education, from the Wall Street Journal, that put the island's education level far ahead of most of its Latin American neighbors. In the ensuing six decades, many countries in the region moved into near universal literacy. The difference is that countries like Ecuador and Colombia, both of which came from much further behind, did it without having transform the society into a slave state. So saying, you know, yeah, it's a slave state, but the people can read, you know, it is connected. It's connected to that same idea of, uh, I've, I've had women say to me, well, the pros about my husband, or is he gives me a lot of stuff and I got a nice house and I got a car, he does hit me. There are no pros. There are no pros when you're abusing people. There are no pro, there's not a, there's no pro and con list where the con list is that you're a slave. That erases all the pros. This idea that there's some kind of other way to be other than free is ridiculous, you know? This idea that we are all kind of victims of a, a false consciousness that needs to be recreated, we, that we need a revolution from a system that is working really, really well. Things need to be fixed, obviously, but the idea that we need a revolution is part of this whole idea that we're not who we are, that we're not what we think, that everything is an illusion, and it is part of the same philosophy. If you are not quite sold on a Daily Wire membership yet, give us a shot with the Reader's Pass. A Reader's Pass will enable news junkies to read our articles ad-free, including all of Ben Shapiro's op-eds, which are exclusive for Daily Wire members only, plus access to our mobile app, which is great. You can read all of our stories and receive push notifications for breaking news and special content. That's perfect for when you want to stay up to date on the go. This membership tier is already a bargain of three bucks a month, but right now we're offering one month 
for 99 cents. That's the mobile ad-free access to all of the Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds from Ben, and breaking news and updates on our mobile app, all for the low price of a buck. So go get a Reader's Pass today and join the Daily Wire community. And by the way, Super Tuesday is coming out March 3rd, and we have got a tremendous backstage that will be going on right then. That's when that's when the rubber hits the road, and we will find out if Bernie is, in fact, uh, the front runner that everybody says he is. All right, come over to dailywire.com and subscribe. The mailbag is tomorrow, and all your problems will be solved if you are a subscriber, and you will sound like that. That's how, that is how joyous you will sound. If you're not a subscriber, you will sound completely different. I don't even want to talk about it. The other thing about Bernie is not only is he wrong about Cuba, about the literacy program in Cuba, other countries raised the literacy uh, completely, coming from further behind without becoming a slave state. He's also lying. He's lying twice, okay? When he says he's not an authoritarian because he believes in democratic socialism, it's democratic socialism. All the founding fathers, Aristotle, Plato, they all knew that pure democracy leads to tyranny. Pure democracy leads to tyranny because the people are swept away on emotion, because they elevate their personal freedom over their responsibility, and ultimately only a tyrant can come in and save them from themselves, basically. That is why they didn't want a pure democracy. They wanted a republic. That's why you have things like the Electoral College. That's why you have all these breaks, these different... um, bodies, body politics fighting with each other, the Congress fighting with the president and the judiciary and all that. That is why that stuff is there. So first of all, being just putting the word democratic in front of socialism doesn't make it any less tyrannical. The second thing is he has spent his life praising tyranny. Here is, here is just a, a little bit of a sample. We've played some of this before, but a little bit of a sample of Bernie taking his tours as, I think he was the mayor of Burlington, Vermont, taking tours of Soviet Union, Nicaragua, all these slave states, and coming back full of praise. ...has decided that Nicaragua is a terrorist nation. And if this guy is the foreign minister of a terrorist nation, then they should get another foreign minister. Because he is a very gentle, very loving man. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world. All the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They had forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed a society. You know, not to say that uh, Fidel Castro or Cuba are perfect. They are certainly not. The quality of your health care, we understand, is not good. But in the United States, believe me, we have enormous problems in terms of our health care system. Health care in Nicaragua is now free. Uh, infant mortality has been greatly reduced. Also, we're extremely impressed by their public transportation system. In fact, it was the cleanest, most effective mass transit system that I've ever seen in my life. Sandinista government, in my view, has more support among the Nicaraguan people, substantially more support than Ronald Reagan has among the American people. So that's another reason we need communism. <laughs> I don't think that last guy was Bernie, but we just threw him in there to add, add to the list. But, but the thing about this is, the thing about this is, remember, I started out by talking about Harvey Weinstein and saying the same people who are cheering the conviction of Harvey Weinstein help bring you Harvey Weinstein. The people who create your culture have created the sexual culture in which Harvey Weinstein existed. They were actually participating in the Harvey Weinstein cast- casting couch culture while they were creating the culture that they're now that they're selling you the sexual culture that they're selling you when they sell you shows on HBO about teenagers having sex and being transgender and all this stuff same people same people doing it the same people now trying to expose Bernie for loving on Castro 
the same people, the press, the press, used to love on Castro too. Same time that he was giving this, these are the reports that were coming out. This is compiled by us, but from videos supplied by our friends over at Newsbusters. The level of public services was remarkable. Free education, medicine, and heavily subsidized housing. There is in Cuba government intrusion into everyone's life from the moment he is born until the day he dies. The reasoning is that the government wants to better the lives of its citizens and keep them from exploiting or hurting one another. Castro has delivered the most to those who have the least. And for much of the third world, Cuba is actually a model of development. Education was once available to the rich and the well-connected. It is now free to all. Medical care was once for the privileged few. Today, it is available to every Cuban, and it is free. Some of Cuba's health care is world-class, in heart disease, for example, in brain surgery. Health and education are the revolution's great success stories. Fidel touched this young machine adjuster, and the man enjoyed a mild ecstasy. I know the feeling. A veritable force of nature, Fidel has guided the revolution, destroying the old and building the new Cuba. For Castro, freedom starts with education. And if literacy alone were the yardstick, Cuba would rank as one of the freest nations on earth. <laughs> so that's, I mean, those were all the networks. That's Barbara Walters you heard in there. Dan Rather is one of them. Uh, one of the guys was from the Washington Post. That's all of them. So you wonder where Bernie came from. You wonder where Bernie came from. He came from those people. He came from the press. All he's doing is parroting the stuff that he heard on the networks, the same networks that killed the Harvey Weinstein story, the same networks that spiked the Jeffrey Epstein story, same networks were selling Castro, what a one, you know, that, that pro and con list. Yes, you're slave, but look at all the good stuff you get, which is the same thing they're telling you today. It's the same thing they're telling you today. Look at how free everything will be. Yes, you'll be a slave. Yes, you'll have no choice. Yes, you won't be able to keep your health care. Yes, you won't be a free person, a free American anymore. Yes, you know, over 250 years of freedom will go down the drain, but look at the money you'll save. I mean, that's basically, basically their argument. They're still making it, and Bernie is still making it. Here's something he just said on 60 Minutes Cut Number 10. In many ways, we are. In some ways, very significant ways, we're not. We're not great when half of our people today are living paycheck to paycheck. When 500,000 people tonight are going to be sleeping out on the streets including 30,000 veterans. I think of communism when I think of Bernie. <laughs> so he, the question that Anderson Cooper asked him there was, didn't uh, come in was, is America great? And uh, no, basically he's no. You know, he says, yeah, America is great because my father came here with nothing. And now, you know, I'm running for president. That's pretty good. But, uh, you know, that that that's nice. But that freedom that caused that to happen has to go away in order for there not to be people sleeping on the streets. And if you think Bernie can't win, there's a piece from Axios by Jim Vandehey. says the evidence doesn't back the Democrats' panic that Bernie can win. says lots of Democrats are in full panic that Bernie Sanders will win the nomination and get clobbered in the general election and bring the party down too. But the evidence, particularly the polling, doesn't back those doomsday warnings. 
Um, virtually every national and swing state poll shows Sanders tied with or beating President Trump. And unlike every rival, he has a huge base of fervent, unshakable support supporters, he can only grow. A Quinnipiac poll last week showed Sanders beating Trump in Michigan and Pennsylvania. A CBS News YouGov poll showed Sanders beating Trump nationally. Sanders has a much larger has much larger followings on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other platforms than his rivals, and he has consistently shown new media sophistication others lack. Sanders' base writes checks regularly for years now, making him the best-funded non-billionaire in the Democratic game. His supporters show up on social at rallies and elections. Ask Trump if this matters. It's not like Sanders hides his big government socialism. He has screamed it to the nation for a half decade. Maybe voters don't care, just like 45% don't care about Trump's outlandishness. I'm not sure that's true. I suspect it is not none of that. What he just said, I suspect what he said is true, but I don't suspect that Bernie can translate it into the general election. But we don't know. It is entirely possible after all these years of listening to ABC and CBS and NBC tell him that Castro is not so bad, that, yeah, you're a slave, but at least you can read. You know, after all those years of getting that from the culture, maybe people are ready to plunk for it. I don't know. And I'll tell you one thing. Joe, Joe Biden is gone. Joe Biden is done. Here's an interview that Joe Biden did with Margaret Brennan as she asked him how things are going. What's happening is you have Steyer spending hundreds of millions, tens of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars out campaigning there. And uh, so I think a lot's happening in terms of the amount of money being spent by the billionaires um, to uh, try to cut into the African-American vote. I think that has a lot to do with it. South Carolina, though, is your firewall. You said it, my firewall. I've never said The campaign has said it's your firewall. No, it's not fire. I said, I'm going to do well there. And I'll do well there, and I'll do well beyond there as well. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. He is a lying dog-faced pony soldier. And here's the the proof from an interview he did before Iowa. Cut 12. And I think I have a real firewall in South Carolina. (laughs) Well, maybe he forgot he's an old guy, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, when you listen to the way... Come Let's <laughs> just play, on, play cut man. 13. Play cut 13. This is the way the guy's talking now. You're the ones that sent Barack Obama the presidency. And I have a simple proposition here. I'm here to ask you for your help. Where I come from, you don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? He's running for the Senate. <laughs> the Democrat Party is in big trouble. They've been selling a philosophy for a long time, and now it has come home to roost. Be careful what you wish for, because you're going to get it. You're almost certainly going to get it. The question is, the question is, as always in politics, are we going to get what they deserve. All right, let's do a final reflection. Uh, I want to talk about The Sinner, which is now in its third season. And it is, it's one of my favorite crime shows. Let's play just the trailer for the third season. This is The Sinner uh, with Bill, Bill Pullman. It's a car accident that proved fatal. What happened? I don't know. It's like we lost traction, and the next thing I knew, we were just thrown upside down every direction. Thank you. I don't get what you see in this. There's no crime, is there? His story. It felt like there was something else going on. Jamie? Jamie. Jamie Burns. 
I'm just trying to get some background information. Sophomore year, there's this guy he started hanging out with, Nick Haas. You must have some stories. Should I tell her? Don't play this game with me. It's too easy. I think, I think this is the best mystery show on television. When I talk about a mystery, I mean something that unfolds. It's not just a crime show. It's not a gritty on-the-street show. It is an old-fashioned detective story with a twist, with two twists. The first twist is they tell you basically who did it, and Bill Pullman as the detective has to figure out why, has to figure out what is the story behind the story. It's incredibly literate. The first one was based on a novel. I don't know if this one is based on... This one I know is based on an old crime, a crime that's been used to inspire... Any number, I, I don't want to give it away, but it's been used to inspire any number of, uh, of crime shows. The other thing that is a, a twist is Bill Pullman plays one of the most neurotic detectives I have ever seen. And the performance, it's almost over the top, like he plays the guy, but, but I've known people just like him. So it's an actual realistic performance. And Pullman's a terrific actor, but he plays, this is a guy who can barely look people in the eye. He's such a neurotic. He has failed at everything. He's failed at family. He's just uh, uncomfortable in his own skin. He makes you uncomfortable when you watch him. And, and he's not trying to, he saw the crimes pretty quickly, but what he doesn't solve is why the thing happened and why the person who we know is guilty from the very start, almost in every season, we know he's guilty from the very start, why the person did what he did. So it's kind of a why done it instead of a who done it. But as old fashioned mystery stories go, it is so much better than everything else on TV. Uh, like I said, incredibly literate, incredibly intelligent, great characters, and Pullman is absolutely terrific. I think you'll enjoy it. It's on USA, I believe. It's pr pretty shockingly uh, gritty for USA, but it's not too bad. A lot of language, but not uh, much more than that. All right, I got to stop there. Tomorrow is the mailbag. Get your questions in today to have all your problems solved tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Robert Sterling and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. On the Matt Walsh Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.